Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Welcome to Money Talk, the longest-running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300 List know the difference now here are your hosts dave spano and mark oswald and here we go money talk annex wealth management it is saturday it's september 7th i'm danny clayton good morning mark oswald good morning guys derek felsky good morning and david j spano as we always start the show uh with the week in review yes danny there was uh, an interesting week for sure and you know this negative sentiment that has been floating around now for a couple of months, I think probably got to fever pitch a week or two ago with the tweet that said we're going to ramp up the trade war. And of course, uh, the market reacted to that, got right to the 200-day uh, moving average and has bounced back. So yesterday morning, Derek, we saw a jobs report that makes it almost a certainty that we will get another rate cut coming up uh, next week. Yeah, the, the U.S. economy added 130 jobs in August, which was below expectations, which for, for about a gain of about 160,000. There are also some downward revisions to prior months. So, so while the trend in jobs remains positive, it's not as strong as it was uh, earlier this year. Uh, the other good note on this, though, Mark, was that, that wage growth was 3.2%, which is certainly a healthy number. Well, certainly it's a good number because when people are making more money, the idea is that they're going to spend more money. You look at what retailers have been doing in terms of earnings. So, I mean, that's that's what we look at the jobs number for. Are people working? Are they making more money? Are they being supportive of GDP, gross domestic product, in this country? Because that's good for the economy and that's good for stock markets and that's good for investors. And so consumers make up two-thirds of GDP. And so, you know, there's been the R word floating around for recession. We don't see the indicators of that happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do see uh, some of a slowdown, but a positive GDP throughout the rest of this year and into 2020. Of course, that assumes that there will be no financial shock uh, that we don't see coming. But you know, the consumer is jazzed up. You know, we see uh, some retail reports coming out, Lululemon and Costco, for example. The consumer continues to stay strong. The unemployment rate is good, and Derek, interest rates are going lower. Well, it's something that Marty Zweig, a fellow that I used to follow, used to be on Wall Street week years ago, used to say, you don't fight the Fed. And and these weaker-than-expected payroll number combined with that disappointing manufacturing number early in the week, which was partially offset by a really strong non-manufacturing PMI on Thursday, suggests the Fed has all the cover it needs to cut rates at their September meeting uh, by 25 basis points. But I think those that are looking for a 50 basis point cut uh, may be disappointed. So, Mark, you know, we talk about a dual mandate of the Federal Reserve, and to some that may be boring, but, you know, they have a dual mandate, and I'll argue that it's been a third mandate, right. and that is uh, uh, really to keep this this interest rate market afloat. And we had this inverted yield curve that we have talked about over and over again. And we have said for months and months now, it is not because really a slowing economy that we're seeing reducing rates. But for example, if you're a German institution right. and you have to keep quality bonds on your books, for example, German boons, and you have a negative interest rate of 0.7 or 0.8 negative, negative. 
from a German boon. You go, listen, if I'm an institution, I'm going to go to the United States. There's rule of law there. There is, it's the United States Treasury. It's a safe investment. So therefore, that pressure has pushed rates down. So the Federal Reserve is in, is in really in a predicament. Actually, that, that's a great point because when you have buying pressure, you have people who are trying to buy your bonds. Of course, the price goes up. And when you have supply and demand, right, you have demand for these bonds, the price goes up, the yield comes down. And as that happens, you have this flattening of the yield curve. And a lot of times when you see that happen, it's the it's the harbinger for a recession, but not necessarily in this case, because it's kind of a different world, right? Well, I mean, you know, it's funny, you know, Derek, you've got a statistic on uh, the inverted yield curve and its indication of a recession. Yeah, I think 10 of the last five recessions were predicted by uh, the yield curve. <laughs> so so <laughs> not, not a really good indicator. Well, you, you, know, said, you said that last week, and I had to think about that a little <laughs> bit, and that, that's funny. Well, well I, I kind of chuckled, because, you know, many times we have clients, and they, they read these headlines, and you know there are there have been cases in the past where an inverted yield curve did precede a recession and you know we're obviously on the lookout for that we're looking at things like credit spreads you know are people fearing that defaults are about to climb uh, inflation running a little bit ahead of what are expectations wage growth and the like and and basically what i think we've been doing is we've just been digesting those tremendous gains since christmas eve where the s&p rallied about 25% to its high it's less than it's only about 1.5% from its all-time high currently and I think we're kind of betwixt and between. We've got a, a, a strong U.S. economy, but we've had you know flat earnings this year. So the valuation of the S&P is higher than it was at the beginning of the year. And we need another catalyst to drive us back above 3,000 in a convincing fashion. We certainly have trade as the other thing. You know, we've, we've agreed to talk with the Chinese coming up in October. And that's, you know, that's a positive move. We've seen this dance before. Maybe something gets done. Maybe something doesn't get done. But the fact of the matter is, is that now is an opportunity really to look at your portfolio. We're moving into the last couple of months of the year. A lot of stuff going on. Next year is an election year. There's all kinds of reasons right now to look at your portfolio. Big run up in the S&P 500. Bonds have moved. Fixed income has moved. Now would be a really good time to have that portfolio review because there's been a lot going on and it's impacted your portfolio. Easy to do. Just go to AnnexWealth.com. Do it this weekend. Click that Get Started button and get going. This is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. A Barron's top advisor, a member of the Financial Times Top 300, and a Journal Sentinel Top Workplace. Know the difference. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. Welcome back. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management for Saturday, September 7th. Branches, we've got them. Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country. We're in Appleton. We're downtown inside the Fister. And if you can hear WTMJ with this big signal, it's easy with Annex everywhere. Just use simple screen share technology. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button for that free portfolio analysis. You know, we were talking in the last segment, Danny, about you know a rally that we had, uh, particularly on Thursday and Friday, and that the negativity had reached a fever pitch. And so when you're doing that, you look for any good news. And one of the things that we have talked about that we look at is this fear and greed indicator, Derek. And we saw that it was at a very low rating for, I don't know, for about a month or so. Yeah, it was in the low 20s. Historically, when that thing gets below 30 at, at the margin, that would cause us to be more positive on risk assets. And when, when it gets north of 70, uh, less so. Uh, the other thing that I think has driven this rally is just the fear of negative rates. You know, we're seeing r- negative rates in 
in three countries across all all yield terms in Switzerland, Germany, and the Netherlands, and sixteen trillion of sovereign debt now trading at negative rates. So think about that. That basically all of Europe right. is, is is preceded with a negative. Right. So if you're a conservative investor, you can look at that. And you can say, okay, do I want to buy a ten year Treasury at a one point five percent yield, or do I want to buy, for example, a company like AT and T, which is about to roll out five G across the United States and and other parts of the world that pays a dividend just north of six percent, and then you have the opportunity to participate if the if the stock appreciates over time. So there is a fear of negative rates. It does support equities. It's a great time to buy stocks if you think of them relative to fixed income. But again, you know, there's no reason why rates can't continue to go lower if the economy were to continue to disappoint on the downside. So Derek, you know, we look at one of the valuation models that we look at, and we talk a lot about price to earnings ratios, for example. But one of those things that we look at is this interest rate and what that means to valuations of stocks called the discount. You know, without getting too deep, yeah. <laughs> too deep into the weeds here, explain that to our listeners. Well, it's, it's basically what you're referring to as a dividend discount model. Essentially, what you're doing is you discount back future cash flows to come to a present value for an equity earning stream. And basically, one of the key components is interest rates. And, also, and that affects the, not only the PE multiple, but also the growth rate and inflationary expectations and the like. And if you believe rates are going to remain at these levels for an extended period of time, you could make an argument that the S&P should be trading at a much higher multiple than it is currently. Another way to look at it is when the earnings yield of the S&P is more than 400 basis points above the Treasury yield, stocks have appreciated double digits over the next 12 months systematically. So Mark, uh, try to digest that, number one. And then number two, <laughs> of course, I want to talk about uh, what happened in Hong Kong. Well, well, you have choices, right? I mean, you can put your money into a bond, as Derek said, and if bonds are, are yielding, let's just say 2%, right? And you say there's a 400 basis point premium on being in stocks, then, then why wouldn't you? And I, I guess that you know continues to be the choice that investors have to make. Do you continue to plow money into bonds or do you put money into the stock markets? Given the choice between the two in terms of just return dividends versus interest, and that I think is the choice that's being made right now. You see money going into the stock market. That's right. And so the other, the other major mover this week was uh, we woke up earlier this week and we saw that there was a major move uh, with Hong Kong in the lawsuit. Well, there certainly was. I mean, you've had protests going on there for months. The thing that we were fighting against, if you're people in Hong Kong, was this idea of extradition, going to mainland China for being dragged into mainland China for different things. And when they backed away from that, it kind of eased some of the tensions that are going on there. China's a big deal, right? It's the second largest economy in the world. So we have to pay attention to what goes on there politically, what goes on there economically, what's going on with their monetary policy and fiscal policy. And we saw some easing there, and that was good for stock markets. By the way, if you're on that list and uh, you leave Hong Kong, I wouldn't go to mainland China. No. They are looking for you, though. That probably is not going to work out. And, you know, last thing uh, in, in the last minute or so before uh, we take a break, we want to talk a little bit about there were some of the retail stocks that we saw a move this week, Derek. Yeah, as I think you mentioned this earlier in the show, but Costco reported much better than expected August comps and traffic. I go to Costco, fabulous company and business, obviously, there is really good. Uh, Lululemon, another. What do, you buy? what do you buy at Costco? That's really I want to know what he buys at Lululemon. <laughs> Cat cat food, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, all right, that's good to know. Yeah, I have right. two cats at home, and, and they love those pellets that I get at Costco at a very good price. And okay. I also that like explains, fancy feasts. That explains so much, but continue, please. All right, well, anyway, the retailers are doing well, particularly if you've got a parking lot in front. We saw that from Walmart. We saw that from Target. Target was the best-performing stock in the uh, S&P 500 
uh, last month, one of the key holdings in our equity income strategy, no, by no coincidence. And, and basically, the consumer's in good shape. So that's helping the U.S. weather the uncertainty about trade, whereas other countries like Germany, which are much more export, exposed to exports, are doing rather poorly. Still more to come on the show. Up next, Jason Gennier talking about thrift savings plans for government employees. Also, Deanne Phillips with Women's Guide to the Unexpected. A great series of workshops we have coming up. Details at AnnexWealth.com. This is Money Talk. It's Annex Wealth Management on Saturday, September 7th on WTMJ. The longest-running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust, and this is a team segment for government employees. Joining us, Jason Ganier, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. He's got decades of public employee experience. He's our go-to guy when it comes to navigating that area. Welcome back, Jason. Hi, Danny. When we say um, decades, I know that just makes us sound old, but that's experience. That's experience. Wisdom, right? Wisdom. We're going to talk about thrift savings plans. Uh, fairly specialized, but pretty unique. Thrift savings plans, people usually just say TSP. It's for federal employees and also brothers and sisters in the military use the TSP plan. And it's basically like a 401k plan, but specialized for those federal employees. Do you see many of them? You know, we get quite a few employees in here from the federal government, whether it be, you know, law enforcement, or we get a lot of medical people, you know, the VA being right right down the road, and then obviously military. So they do come through, and it's part of the federal employees' retirement system. So the TSP is actually one of the pieces of their actual retirement planning. So it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a great thing. You know, it's uh, both the government contributes a small amount, and then the employee can contribute as well, which we encourage, obviously. Okay, thrift savings plans, a TSP. Who qualifies? You You, you hit it real quick, but again, let's yeah, go over that. Yeah, it's, you know, federal employees and then also military employees. It's, you know, it's a broad range of people. And like I said, in this area, we see a lot of the um, federal employees are down at the VA hospital, quite a few of them, and then also law enforcement, federal law enforcement agencies. You said they, a TSP works kind of like a 401k. Um, how exactly does it work? What happens is the employer, meaning the federal government, makes a contribution. So the Federal Employer Retirement System, what they call FERS, came into effect like in the late 80s. Before that, they had a different system. So there's sometimes appliance come in here and they're part of the old system and they're still using the TSP. And then the employee can make contributions, just like your 401k, maybe you put in 2% or 5% or 10%, and then you gotta make investment choices and try to grow that money to support your you know, income in retirement. And they're pre-tax dollars? Pre-tax, but they also have a Roth option, which is an after-tax contribution, and then the dollars come out after tax. I always kind of tell people taxation is like the toll booth. At some point, your money's got to go through the toll booth. So pre-tax means it hasn't gone through the toll booth, but when you retire, you got to pay the tax. Roth means when I get in my paycheck and went through the toll booth, I've been taxed on it, now I'm going to invest it. And really, that comes down to their situation. Sometimes it's better to take the tax break now because you're, maybe you're in a higher income bracket, Sometimes it's better to take in a retirement. That's really individualized. And that's why you talk to an expert that, like you. Yeah, Jason right. Gennier is here talking about TSPs or thrift savings plans. Contribution limits, is there, how, how do they work? S same thing as the 401k, $19,000. And then when you get over that age 50, there's another $6,000 catch up. So up to 25,000 max. But, you know, really contribution limits, too, that's the max. We always look at, you know, what are people's incomes? What are their expenses? They got a mortgage or they send the kids through college. So don't feel bad if you can't put the 25 grand and that's quite a bit of money, but you want to have a good plan to support you in retirement. Yeah, you hear about those catch-up plans or the, the, the max and it's like, well, <laughs> sounds yeah. good for somebody. Yeah, you're but, making 55000 a year or something. Yeah. 
25000 is probably not realistic for most people to contribute. As far as investment selections, how does it work? Is it sort of like a 401k? I mean, are there funds that they pick? Yeah, it's sort of like it's It's actually quite unique. They only use what they call passive funds. So those aren't actively managed. They're low cost. So there, there's some advantages to it. They're very low cost because they're huge funds. But there's only limited funds in there. So it's like any investment. You know, there's good choices, but you sometimes need help making those choices. They sound a lot like 401k plans, but there's some differences. There is a Roth option. There is the Roth option. Again, that's, you know, after-tax dollars. You know, the employer contributes what they call pre-tax. So whatever the employer puts in, and a lot of times it's 1% is what uh, the federal government's doing with a lot of employees. That is pre-tax. And they do a match as well, too. So a lot of times you contribute amount, they do a set amount they put in, and then they also do a match. So you want to at least get that match. We're talking about thrift savings plans. So uh, at, at a certain point, do they roll over? Yeah, that's one of the options is when you when you retire, when you get to the point of retiring, there's what they call in-service distribution options. But most times it's when you retire, you have options. You can keep it in the TSP and take what they call distributions. You can take an annuity, which means you're kind of locked into a set amount per month. Or, you know, you could move all or some into an individual retirement account and have a little bit more investment choice, and especially if you want someone to help you with the, the management of that account. Thrift savings plan's a good option, but uh, people do need navigation, and that's what you do. Yep. Like you said, and it's not, only the, it's not only the first plan, but you do have, most people have what they call a defined benefit pension. So with FERS, you're going to have a defined benefit pension, meaning a monthly pension. Your TSP, you're essentially creating your own pension or your own monthly distributions. Then you have Social Security, and then if you have a spouse and they have investments, you have to kind of take all those pieces and figure out how you're going to solve your puzzle. I I like what you said. It's not the first plan, but it can be added on. Correct. For sure. Jason Gennier, a wealth manager, Annex Wealth Management, a ton of public employee experience. If you're looking for somebody who speaks that language, we got somebody right here on the Annex team. Jason, thank you for coming in. Thanks, Danny. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Hit AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. We've got branches in Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton, downtown inside the Fister, and Annex everywhere. We are a Barron's top advisor and a four-time member of the Financial Times 300. It's time for Ask Annex. Uh, Ready to roll, guys? Let's go. All right. Our first one is from John. This is a hanging curveball, right? Do we need to worry about Brexit? Brexit. Well, let's explain what Brexit is. You know, everyone's heard about it. We've talked about it for years and, you know, it was preceded by Grexit and so on and so forth. But there's a lot of those things that are that are happening. But it's big news now because it's coming up on the October 31st date, Mark. It is, for sure. And, you know, when Brexit is the U.K. leaving the European Union, and so they voted, I think, in 2017 to leave, and they had two years to get it done at that point in time. And it's been, you know, expanded and expanded and expanded, and the current Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, has said it's going to be October 31st one way or the other. And so you have this no-deal Brexit. And what is, is no deal? What no does that deal, mean for a listener? No deal means the U.K. does not have a deal with the rest of the European Union on trade, immigration, all kinds of different things. They just walk away. They just walk away. So yeah. they become, you know, they're so, they their own 
country. They don't pay to leave. That's correct. They ju- they just walk away. A deal would be, you know, you get some trade agreements in place before you leave. And, and they and have to pay to leave as well. That's correct. Right. So, I mean, there's all kinds of different things that are going on there, but Boris Johnson has been a no-deal guy. We're just leaving. We're going back to, you know, just being our own country. We're not part of the European Union anymore. It really affects Ireland, Northern Ireland and Ireland, because Northern Ireland is part of the UK. Ireland's part of the EU. So you've got this country, this island that's fractured between two different governments at some point. And what's been called the Donald Trump of the UK, Boris Johnson, and he, uh, uh, he I don't know if he's going to make it to the end of the month. Yeah, I mean, he's calling for a vote right now. He's lost 21 members of the parliament, have left his party and gone to the other side. He probably doesn't have the votes anymore. There may be a vote. There may be a no vote. He, he's calling for an election. He wants to go back to the, the, having the conversation about getting the people to say, yeah, we're leaving right. in a no-deal environment. He's, but he said, I'd rather be dead than not have a deal. Dead so, in a ditch, right. Well, but dead in a ditch. But he may not even make it, That's which right. would be shocking uh, if, if that happens. So right now we have to pay attention to it, Derek. Well, well yeah, and the, and the reality of all this is this level of uncertainty has caused the British pound to go to, to very low levels, which of course then makes UK products more competitive globally. So the currency markets will adjust quickly, whatever the outcome. It will certainly lead the UK to a economy to contract somewhat in the short run as uncertainty reigns supreme. But but ultimately, as far as our portfolios, we haven't really done anything tactically either way on this. We think it'll have an impact, but it'll be very short term. Next up on Ask Annex is from Jason. Is it now time to brace for a U.S. recession? Well, I think you always have to be prepared. You know, Mark, we talked a little bit this week about uh, the hurricane and being prepared, and I think that was a really good analogy. It, it, it is, because when you think about the corollary, being prepared for the unexpected or what you see on the horizon, and of course, you know, changes in your portfolio can't be compared to a loss of life in a hurricane, and we're not trying to do that. We're simply saying when you start to see dark clouds coming, it would be a good time to look at your portfolio and prepare for it. There's things you can do in your financial plan. You never know. I mean, Dan's going to talk a little bit about the guide to the unexpected. Everybody has unexpected things that happen in their life. And the fact of the matter is, is that you have to prepare for those things. If you think a recession's coming, a recession's going to come at some point in time. And it's getting insulated in your portfolio to handle that if it does occur. Now, the numbers, Derek, I mean, that's an important part of the things that we look at. Well, yeah. I mean, the one, the, the, there are a few things here. First, the U.S. consumer continues to be strong, as we've reported, with the re- retail sales reports. The Fed is on our side. There's additional central bank easing coming. Uh, consumer confidence has remained at a fairly high level. Credit spreads remain well-behaved. And, and one thing that I thought was really interesting is Alan Greenspan, the former Fed chair, went on CNBC this week, and he talked about the wealth effect and the fact that it's understated in economic forecasts. And in what he meant by that Let's was... Let's explain what the, what the wealth effect is first. Well, the wealth effect is, you know, how do you feel about your finances? If you feel good about your finances, if you feel like your job's secure, Cure, uh, you're more likely to spend. In the United States, spending is key. 70% of GDP comes from the consumer. But the point he really made here was that the economy is going to be influenced by the performance of the stock market, basically because that translates directly into how you feel about your wealth. And so many times, the stock market ultimately basically precedes a recession and in some ways can actually cause it. And you've said that for years, that it, the next recession may not be an economic shock, but it may be a financial shock. I, I believe that to be true. So I spend as much time focusing on the technical patterns with the stock market in conjunction with corporate fundamentals and interest rates. I think those that focus on the economy are looking backwards. The the stock market looks forwards, and I think you have to meld those two to come up with a reasonable market expectation considering valuations and so on. 
I don't know if we're going to get a third question in, but let's see if we can do it in 30 okay. seconds. Here you go. <clears throat> this is from Jeff. I currently have a Roth account open for five years. I'd like to fund it with 2019 money for bookkeeping purposes. How do I differentiate or segregate the five-year period from that money for my current balance for IRS purposes? I actually was considering monthly contributions. That's a good question, and it's a common misunderstanding, I think, is that the, the five-year waiting period on a Roth IRA begins at the first deposit. It doesn't. It, each deposit is not tracked for its own five-year period. So that is the rule on Roth uh, contributions and withdrawals from a Roth account. That's Ask Annex. If you've got a question, head to AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. This is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management on WTMJ. Team, tech, trust, and a fee-only fiduciary model that works in your best interest. Can your advisors say that? This is Money Talk on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust. Joining me, Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, Annex Wealth Management. She's the CFP. She's a CDFA. That's a Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. Welcome back, Deanne. Hey, Danny. Thanks for inviting me on. Remember Joan Rivers, the comedian? Sure. Sure. She used to do that bit about how hard it was after her husband passed. Remember the VCR would be blinking 12 for almost four years because her husband was the one that did all those things. Yeah, that would be me. (laughs) Yeah, well, it played pretty well for laughs, but... When the unexpected hits for women, it can be downright awful. And that's what we're going to talk about here. Well, right. So we don't like to think about the bad aspects of life and the stuff that can happen to us. But as planners, we actually know, Danny, that 80% of women deal with death, divorce, or disability issues with their partner, and mostly because women live longer statistically. And then when those issues happen, not only are you dealing with the emotional trauma, but also possibly learning to handle new issues financially and household-wise at the same time. So it can be really daunting if you aren't prepared for all the possibilities. You know, and right or wrong, it's quite often that the husband is taking the bigger role in financial matters. They kind of made it like their thing. Well, I mean, usually what we see are household financial issues and regular duties split. So financially, one partner might handle the day-to-day bills and maybe the other handles the investing. So functionally, also, one might handle the day-to-day household maintaining, the cleaning, groceries, taking care of the kids. The other might deal with issues like the car registration, making sure the taxes are filed, or the appliance maintenance. And so when something happens to one of the partners, either one, it puts a financial, social, and mental stress on the other. You use the word partner, and that, that really is the case here with, with, it, with a couple. I mean, they are partners, right. and they tend to split things. There are things that my wife does. I have no idea how or what she does sometimes. Right. Very true. Right. So with an unexpected event, women find themselves headlong into a series of transitions. Well, right, because very few people wake up in the morning and say, I love change, right? So (laughs) transitions are hard, yes, especially as we age. And I tend to call the three biggest ones the big Ds, death, divorce, and disability. And yes, the passing of a spouse who pays the bills day to day might set back the remaining partner. They might not even know which bills are paid online, what password or user ID their partner was using. They might not even know what bank account it comes from. So the same goes for, you know, divorce. Okay, again, there's a rising percent of these so-called gray divorces, which are empty nesters over the age of 50 who part ways. And those divorce requires both parties to look at their budgets meticulously, maybe for the first time. And maybe they have no idea how much the water bill's been or what really is spent on household items. And splitting retirement assets while you're closer to retirement very emotionally challenging. Then, you know, there's disability, the third D. 
this could be long-term care. It could be a cancer challenge or scare. Anything that knocks a partner down but not necessarily out. But what it does do requires the remaining partner to pick up those pieces and take over. They have to understand what and where those pieces are. Mm, what are those three Ds again? Death, divorce, disability. Holy cow. Okay. Leads to dismay if you're not careful. How about it? There's your fourth. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to a workshop which is specifically designed to help this issue. And that's something that you've got going. It is. So in this workshop, we begin to gather the pieces of our lives into a binder. We like to call it a grab-and-go emergency binder. It's really what you want your family to know, where things are kept, important documents, the passwords you use, the URL, what you pay and do online, even access to social media and electronic IDs. You know, you got to shut down that social media in case something happens, right? So this is the beginning of giving everybody Everything in one place and peace of mind in case of emergency. I know these are really popular and they're coming up. Yeah, they are. So Annex's Women and Wealth group presents a women's guide to preparing for the unexpected on Wednesday, September 11th at our Annex Wealth Management Mequon office. Starts at 6 p.m. on Mequon Road. It's running conversation circles, really fun, all women sharing our experiences and, and coping strategies. We're also doing the same workshop at our Elm Grove headquarters at 127th and Blue Mound on Thursday, September 19th at 6 p.m. So you can go online to AnnexWealth.com slash events and sign up. Bring a friend. They're always free and they're always a good time. This sounds fantastic. Sadly, this really sounds needed. I mean, this is this is one of those things that, that is probably going to take a little bit of work on somebody's part. But we're here to help. We're here to put that together for you. Right. But boy, when you need it, you need it. You really do. And we've seen this again and again. So this, again, is giving peace of mind. Well, we're starting to get into fall, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, pumpkin spice latte is back, and so is destination retirement. Are we there yet? <laughs> Which is very popular. That happens in late September. Uh, let's talk more about that. Can you come back in a week, and we'll talk about it? I would love to do that, Danny. Fantastic. Deanne Phillips is director of client learning and development at Annex Wealth Management. She's got a bunch of hats. She's CFP, and she's a CDFA, a certified divorce financial analyst. Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. W two seven seven CV and WTMJ Milwaukee from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is. News Radio WTMJ. Planning and investment insight from a fee only fiduciary. And we put that in writing. You're listening to Money Talk on WTMJ. And we're back. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management for Saturday, September 7th. The Barron's Top Advisor, a four time member of the Financial Times 300. Quite proud of that. Doesn't happen easily. No, it certainly doesn't. And, you know, we're, we're professionally humbled by it. I mean, when you get included in these lists, Dave, I mean, it, it's not something that we pay to be on the list or, you know, there's, there's, when you search for investment advisory firms, you're looking for somebody that has the qualities of a fiduciary. And when you get recognized by Barron's or by the Financial Times, it really is, it's humbling because it really supports the fact that the message that we're putting out is resonating with not only our clients, but other publications around the world that are looking at advisors and supporting the mission that we have. You know, it really comes back to is we've created a list that we have been talking about for years called the Know the Difference checklist and, you know, know the difference between financial advisors. We think it's significant. We've put together a a checklist. You can get it on our website and go right down and see, you know, where we stand and where other firms stand. But, you know, the first two boxes on that are fiduciary standard and fee-based. And I will tell you, 
no matter how many times we've said this over the decades, it continues to be a misunderstood concept. It's getting harder and harder. I mean, consumers that are out there right now, I mean, a couple of years ago, before the fact that we had Dodd-Frank and we had the Department of Labor step in and the whole fiduciary standard of care and the best interest standard of care, it might have been cleaner. It might have been easier for someone to say, okay, you're a stockbroker, you're an investment advisor, I understand the difference between those two things. They've gotten closer to closer together from a, from a definition standpoint. And the government is regulating that to the point where people are now confused. Who's a fiduciary? Who's acting in my best interest? You would ask somebody who's listening this morning, would you rather work with a fiduciary or someone who's going to act in your best interest? And they'd say, isn't that the same thing? Right. And the no, fact is, is, it's not the same thing. I heard thing. a commercial uh, the other day where they said, of course our clients come first. Well, you know, that's there's a difference between putting your clients first. I mean, the guy selling siding might put his clients first, but that doesn't mean that he's acting as a fiduciary. That's correct. And when you think about that, that's why it's number one on our, our checklist. And if you need to, if you want to get a copy of that checklist, go to our website. It's there. The fact is, is that not all people who are going to say, I'm going to act in your best interest are true fiduciaries. It's crazy. Easy as that sounds, if you if you decide that you want to have a review of your portfolio and you go down and sit down next to somebody who is a commissioned salesperson, they have to act in your best interest at the time of the transaction, at the time that they sell you something. They don't have a legal obligation that a true fiduciary does to act in your best interest at all times. So you want to get that in writing. That's step number one, and we say it every week on the show, is make sure that you're working with a fiduciary advisor that has a legal obligation to act in your best interest at all times and make sure that that advisor is willing to put that in writing to you. You know, as another thought, Mark, you know, you and I were talking about this last week. I, I many times work with Tom Parks, our 401k specialist, on choosing funds from a platform. And we were talking about a major investment bank that has a research platform. And they basically took any number of very low-cost funds off their research platform so they are no longer available to their clients. Yet, So then they're left with their own products and perhaps a few other expensive products. Products. And again, is that really acting in someone's best interest? Well, I mean, that's really clever, isn't it? And, and the consumer, again, is the one that gets hurt by that. And to your point, let's say that I have two different mutual funds that I can offer to you, and one's got a lower cost structure because it doesn't pay me marketing fees and things like that. If I just eliminate that, I just take it off my platform and say, that's no longer available to my clients. I'm left with the higher cost one that pays me commissions, that pays me uh, marketing dollars, etc. Now, under the rule today, I'm acting in your best interest because I've offered you the best product that I have available to me because I eliminated all the products that may have been lower cost to you that may have performed just as well. What, now, do, you th- what now, do you think the chances are that that, that that investment firm went back and told their clients that, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah. your lower cost fund is no longer available? If you think I'm an astronaut, as I heard in the football game <laughs> on Thursday night, that may be the case. But, you know, uh, you know I will tell you, there's, there's a way to go through this. And if you're listening to this and you go, boy, this sounds intriguing, but I'm not sure, we have made it really easy. Mark, to have someone take a look at this, to set up an appointment through our website, to come and take a free look at where they are right now. We have, and we believe in it so much that we will do it for free. We will allow you to come in and we will do a portfolio review for you. We'll give you the framework for a financial plan. You can go to our website, hit that Get Started button. You'll get a scheduling opportunity at that point in time where you can pick the location that you want to see us and the time that you want to see us. You'll book your appointment right then and there, and you'll just give us a little bit of information 
information just so we know who you are, get you into our system, and then we'll start the process. And it's just about being a good fit, right, Dave? And, it, it, and quickly, Mark, uh, you know, in just the last 30 seconds, what will they get if they come to see us? What they're going to get is that free portfolio review. Everybody's got a portfolio, regardless of what that is. If you bought a mutual fund, if you bought a variable annuity, if you bought some stocks along the way from your brother-in-law, whatever it might be, that's your portfolio. We're going to give you the portfolio review. We're going to give you a framework for financial plan. Wherever you are today, it's point A. You want to get to point B, we're going to give you a little framework for doing that. And then if you engage us going forward, we start the financial planning process. Lots of locations, Elm Grove, Mequand, Lake Country, Appleton. We're downtown inside the Fister. And of course, you can hear WTMJ, so we can use Annex everywhere. It's simple screen share technology. The first start is AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. That's Money Talk for this week. We'll see you in a week. This is WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.